0: Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Fernando Florido and I'm a GP in the United Kingdom. With today's episode I'm continuing with the series on the monthly Nice News Bulletin which includes any new guidance published in that month as well as any updates also in that particular month to already published guidelines. However, I will only address guidance which is relevant to primary care. In today's episode, I'll go through the NICE guidance and advice published in February 2023. Remember that there's also a YouTube version of these episodes, so have a look in the episode description. The first guideline update that we're looking at refers to urinary tract infections in adults. And the new quality statements are Statement 1. Women aged under 65 years of age are diagnosed with a UTI if they have two or more key urinary symptoms and no other excluding causes or warning signs. Therefore, women who present with two or more key symptoms should not require a dipstick test. We should, however, exclude any other causes of urinary symptoms and consider warning signs of other conditions such as sepsis and cancer. We also need to ensure that vaginal and urethral causes of Urinary symptoms are excluded by asking about vaginal discharge and irritation and other possible urethral causes of urinary symptoms. Statement 2. Other patients with indwelling urinary catheters do not have deep stick testing to diagnose UTIs. Therefore, instead, we need to assess signs and symptoms to diagnose a UTI and we use urine culture and sensitivity testing to support the diagnosis. Statement 3. Men and non-pregnant women are not prescribed antibiotics to treat asymptomatic bacteriuria. Instead, we need to assess symptoms to determine if a urine sample should be sent for culture and if antibiotics should be prescribed when a urine culture identifies bacteriuria. Statement 4. Non-pregnant women with an uncomplicated lower UTI are prescribed a 3-day course of antibiotics and men and pregnant women with an uncomplicated lower UTI are prescribed a seven-day course of antibiotics. We also need to reassess if the person's symptoms worsen or do not start to improve within 48 hours of taking the antibiotic. Statement 5. Men with a recurrent UTI and women with a recurrent lower UTI where the cause is unknown or a recurrent upper UTI are referred for specialist advice. The next section refers to an update to the antenatal care guidelines. The new quality statements are Statement 1 Pregnant women are seen by antenatal care by 10 weeks of pregnancy Statement 2 Pregnant women have a risk assessment at routine antenatal appointments Statement 3 Pregnant women have coordinated care from a small team of midwives Statement 4 Pregnant women offered vaccinations at routine antenatal appointments including flu, pertussis and COVID-19 vaccinations. And Statement 5. Pregnant women and partners who smoke are referred for stop smoking support and treatment at routine antenatal appointments. The next guideline update refers to cardiovascular disease, risk assessment and reduction including lipid modification. And in February 2023, a new recommendation on aspirin for primary prevention of cardiovascular disease has been added. This is based on a 2023 surveillance decision. The results of this evidence strongly suggests that the benefit from aspirin for primary prevention is very closely balanced or outweighed by the increased risk of bleeds. So the overall decision is that we should not routinely offer the use of aspirin for primary prevention of cardiovascular disease. And finally, there was a brand new guideline published for the first time this month in respect of the monitoring and management of Barrett's esophagus and stage 1 adenocarcinoma of the esophagus. The recommendations are that 1. we will follow the recommendation for gastroesophageal reflux disease to achieve symptom control 2. we will not offer aspirin to patients with Barrett's esophagus to prevent progression to esophageal dysplasia and cancer Number 3. We will discuss the benefits and risks of endoscopic surveillance with a person diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus Number 4. Patients will be offered endoscopic surveillance with biopsies every two to three years to people with long segment that is three centimeters or longer of Barrett's esophagus and every three to five years to people with short segment that is less than 3 cm Barrett's esophagus with intestinal metaplasia number 5 we will assess a person's risk of cancer based on their age sex family history and smoking history, and tailor the frequency of the endoscopies accordingly. Number six, we will not offer endoscopic surveillance to people with a short segment that is less than three centimeters by Barrett's esophagus without intestinal metaplasia, provided that the diagnosis has been confirmed at two endoscopies. And number seven, we will not offer anti-reflux surgery to people with Barrett's esophagus to prevent progression to dysplasia or cancer. The rest of the guideline refers to the management of Barrett's esophagus with dysplasia and management of esophageal adenocarcinoma, which I will not go into because it's a specialist area. We have come to the end of this episode. I hope that you have found it useful. Thank you for listening and goodbye.